Welcome to Outside the 9 to 5. I don't know what that just was, but this is Kevin Hartnett. And I'm Colton Richards. And you're listening to the Outside the 9 to 5 podcast. A show where we discuss the challenges we face on a day-to-day basis with our careers, relationships, and fitness and nutrition. We'd like to keep it light as we discuss some of the life battles we, and I'm sure some of you, deal with on a daily basis. So sit down, strap in, and enjoy the ride. Kev, big freaking episode for us. Who do yeah. we have on the show today? We have Dave Reeves, Alex's stepfather. Yep. Owner of Punchlist Solution, a co-owner of Punchlist Solutions, and uh, owner and founder of, of Reeves Brothers, a contracting general contracting company. Great episode for everyone today. It's uh, Dave, somebody who I look up to as a person who's both successful professionally and in his personal life, and he's got a lot of wisdom. He's seen the highs of the highs and the lows of the lows, and he was super open with us, which we obviously appreciate, and I think. Uh, there was a lot of great information that you can pull from the, this episode. And for me personally, just because I don't know him at the level you did, dude, like from the bottom of my heart, it was just very real. You know, like someone with a lot of life experience that candidly neither of us have had. Like we haven't had the lows he had. We haven't probably had the highs he's had. And to learn from someone like that, I think it'll be incredibly valuable for not only us, but other people who take the time to listen. 100%. Couldn't agree with you more. Let's get into the show. What do we want to hop into first, Kev? What do we want to happen to first? Wow. I figured we should first talk about the failure on my part and your part to put up the light fixture earlier this week. Oh, <laughs> that's a great one. Let's get into that. And it, uh, oh, my God. Just a massive failure of, uh, of handiness. I, I'm not handy. I said that before. We talked about it on the last episode. So uh, what are the things you should know when hanging a light fixture? Yeah, Dave. Well, you guys had it pretty much figured out. I mean, you had the power turned off. Well, that, <laughs> you didn't turn it off, though. Well, the switch turns the power off. Oh, so you don't have to turn off the power breaker. You don't have to go to the power box. Yeah, that's what we were doing. Yeah. yeah, we were doing going a little overboard. Um, didn't see any directions opened up. That might have helped. You looked at the directions. No, I didn't, but you guys did. <laughs> yeah, well, a great, <laughs> horrible but great piece of advice that my dad always gave me was, first thing you do when you get something... Throw out the directions. That's what I do. I think time. that's why all the things that he put together for me look like absolute crap. Yeah, but everybody's got their their strengths in life. Okay. I mean, my ex-wife married a cop, and he kids around with me all the time. He can't turn a screwdriver. Yeah. So he's always asking me to do stuff for him. And he gets a little embarrassed, and I told him, I go, I, I couldn't. I wouldn't know the first thing about arresting somebody. Great point. You know, you guys have your your niches in life, and... You know, I was blessed to have a father who taught me everything. Really? And that's just the way things were back then. And in that generation, my generation, I'm 54. You know, my dad was born in the 30s, went to Korea. So his growing up, he was taught everything by his father. Okay. Um, And it's funny because I learned in church that we talked about the different generational men 100 years ago. Dads and their sons would work in the back fields and they would just you know, learn how to till the ground and, you know, chop wood and work on the house and do everything you needed to do. And then everybody went to the big city and moms and grandmothers started raising the men of that generation. And right. they just, you know, things just kind of changed a little bit. I agree. Uh, and I see that now, which is kind of scary because not many people are being taught the simple things of how to change a flat tire. And that's, that's me. 
that you're looking <laughs> at that guy. But I yeah. I don't pretend to know how to do it. And the reason I say that, and and Dave, maybe give me pushback on this, but. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty open about that. I'm not handy. No, you're definitely open about it. Because I think there's so many people that could help me with it. You know, like why not spend my time if some in something I'm good at? You know, that's it's where great I way come. of looking at it. That's where I like. I am not gonna be the person fixing a light bulb or not a light bulb. Uh, what, what were we trying to fix? It was a light fixture. We oh, were light changing fixture. a light fixture. Right. That's what's or yeah. like even like changing the toilet. I'm like, all right, let me spend a hundred dollars to get a plumber out here and do it right. Because you did it right in 10 minutes. Kevin and I spent two hours of our night trying Fumbling, to Fumbling. Screws falling. Over. You know? We almost lost a couple screws in the drain. Right <laughs> first there. Thing yeah. is, first thing you do is cover that drain. Up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That was it's so a, it's bad. It's a valid point, though. You know? yeah. I mean, I look at my, my older brother, and <clears throat> he'll spend an entire weekend putting the brakes on his car. Where he's, he's 10 times more creative than I am right. in a wood shop. And I've gotten... I, I bet you I have four built-in uh, bookshelf units he could build for me in a weekend and make three times as much as he would spend on brakes. That's what but I'm he saying. he thinks it's smart to put his brakes on. And I think maybe your generation grew up like that. Like it was like, I need to learn how to do this well, myself. Well, that's what I experienced. My yeah. dad never, ever, ever, ever did we have a repairman in our house. If he couldn't find a part, he would make it. It was it was pretty incredible. Like he would be in his shop welding and and cutting and you know making stuff to repair the refrigerator or you know rebuild the transmission in the old pickup truck or stuff like that. Now I I I don't quite go that far. Right. Um, Well, you know how to do some things for sure. Know your limits. Know your limits. But. So was your dad in construction? Like, did he? He was, was he a, a contractor heavy equipment or? operator in Center City, Philadelphia, for forty-five years. Ooh. Oh wow! Yeah, ran big equipment, and I re- I worked for him with him uh, at a company down there for four years, and I hated every day of it. Really? Yeah. Why would you hate it? Because it seems like that's I, an area you're I in. I need now. to be a little more hands-on, and okay. being in the union, we couldn't get off the machine. We couldn't help anybody. It was oh, okay. Okay. It was all that. Interesting. Yes. Gotcha. Which drove me crazy, and I was getting fat because you like weren't two forty. Oh man, fat. Oh wow. And I remember the last, <laughs> the last day I worked at uh, across the street from Abington Hospital. I was running a big excavator, and it was rainy. And the lunch truck came, and I drove the excavator up the hill, <laughs> swung it around, and told the guy, give me a pork roll and cheese sandwich. I that didn't even get good. out of the machine, and I tracked the machine back down the hill. And as I'm, <laughs> as I'm jiggling down the hill, the cheese is like falling out of the sandwich onto my enormous belly. And I remember looking at myself, and I, I just said, what have I become? <laughs> I can't do this, man. Oh and my so gosh. I quit. A week later, I quit and started my own company. Wow. And so that's what you have been doing, right? For the last however many years? How, how many years have you owned your own company now? Uh, 24 years. Okay. All right. Yeah. And you started that with your brother, right? Yep. Me and my brother started Reeves Brothers. Yep. So can we go back though? I want to I get more into your, your father and like some of the things he taught you growing up because I definitely think it's probably different than what you or I were taught from our fathers. But... What was what was he like? Like how how did he what did he leave you with? You know, because did he recently? My dad. It's a it's a that's an interesting question. My father just passed away last month. Right. 
And in life, I, I, I hate to say hate, but I resented my father pretty pretty much yeah. my entire... Um, you talked about that with me. My I remember entire that. childhood and probably up until I was about 40. Okay. Um, once I got into a little bit of therapy and developed a better faith, um, I, I learned the, the much big lesson of... Uh, Forgiveness. Okay. Know, to forgive someone. Uh, my father was a bad alcoholic when I was okay. little. And I'm talking like four or five years old. I was very young and uh, he was going through the worst part of his, nothing physical, never never physically abusive, but he was emotionally abusive with his words to yeah. me as a, as a young boy. And when you're looking at your father, he's your Superman. Right, always. Yes. And, you know, he would tell me things. And, you know, I look back and... You know, my father was in Korea. Right, we and talked he saw, about that. I'm sure he saw some bad parts of Korea. He was yep. a, a tank sergeant. Um, and I didn't walk in my father's shoes. So my entire mm. life, I, I I, blamed my father for not giving me a certain thing. And yeah. You can't really give what you don't have. Right. And I think those generation, that generation, especially the men that went to war, came back without emotions. And I get that. That's kind of what I what I yearn for, but um, but it you know fast forward into my life now, and I'll bounce back and forth a little bit. It, it's what makes you who you are today, right? You know, and I wouldn't change a thing in my life right now. So it's as hard as it was to go through that, and the pain that it pushed me into into my addictions. As I look now, and I've helped people through tough spots. Uh, without without that knowledge, I would have never even begun to know what to say to them can i ask you what your dad what do you like i guess this is something i i just thought about as you mentioned the kind of the story and the upbringing what do you think he was like getting out of him you know like do you think he had resentment for what he saw in war like what do you think that was like the anger he might have been showing you or why he maybe even drank like that's an interesting concept Uh, for me you know drinking is 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 self-medicating okay so let's get into drinking. Yeah, so let's I do it. drank for 20 years. I was a um, a pretty good alcoholic. Okay. Uh, and when I went to finally, I finally quit uh, 15 years ago. And probably about five years ago, I went and had therapy. I talked okay. to a guy. And he unpacked what my dad, it, it turns out that the reason why I drank for 20 years and the way I drank was to suppress that voice inside of my father saying got it you'll never amount to anything yep so i was never good at anything because i wanted what my father to say Mm. to make to come true and but until i started drinking and then i found something i was really good at and i was good at drinking yeah uh like really good (laughs) (laughs) and um i i drank for you know I, i drank for all those years to to make myself feel good. Right. And I think that's the same thing my father did. Okay. Just to get rid of the pain of what he might have experienced back then. Interesting. You know, in the war. You know, you don't, you don't start off stealing $10,000. You start off stealing a dollar. Yeah. You know, I, and you don't really start off drinking to become an alcoholic. You drink a beer and it feels good. And then you're drinking two beers and. Then you're chasing that high, and then yeah. your bucket gets empty, and you're trying to fill that bucket back up, and it doesn't fill back up unless you quit. Yeah. I was going to ask, um, because I've never 
experienced this from a like a personal level like no one in my family thankfully has been an alcoholic but how does that progress uh to a point where i feel like like you said you don't start out stealing ten thousand dollars you start stealing one dollar so at what point like how long did it take before you realize like this is what i'm doing on a daily basis like no some people never realize it um when did I realize? So I started drinking when I was about 16, maybe a little bit younger. The, the, I think the problem with alcohol, and I don't think everybody has the same triggers as I do. Okay. I think it's, I think in my chemical makeup of my brain, I think there's a, a flaw. Okay. Uh, because of my father. Okay. Or not, not him personally to blame him, but I think it's, I think it's hereditary genetic in some way okay uh and i think it's the form of uh he like i'm i'm addicted to uh um i have very little uh self-control if i open a bag of potato chips i'm eating them all yeah you know there's no like roll up the bag and just have a handful and that's what it was with like drinking like i I started and i drank to get drunk yeah. Now the problem with drinking is, but that's a, that's how, how most people start drinking, right? Like with it, when you're that age, I feel like yeah, that's, but drinking that's at, drinking at 17, 18, 19 in my twenties yeah. was fun. Yeah. But then I started getting older. Yeah. And I started like you know screwing up, going to work. And, okay. You know, and that's, binge drinking, man. Like yeah. from Thursday night till Sunday night. And, yeah. You know, coming home at four and you got to be at work at six and that's just bad okay. stuff. Okay. Yeah. But the problem is, is so think of drinking like think of the the way you feel is a big bucket of water. Okay. Right. And when you drink and you drink to the point where you're feeling hungover the next day, that bucket of water sloshing around yeah. and water's coming out of the yeah. bucket. And that, that bucket of water is how you feel. Yeah. So when it's full, you feel great. So when it sloshes around and some of that water empties out, yeah. you don't feel so good. So to let it organically fill back up, an alcoholic doesn't want to wait for that. Okay. So you Got bite it. the dog to beat you. Yeah. And the next night you go out and drink and you think you're filling that bucket up, but you're really just filling it up with false yeah. feelings. Right. Damn. So that's like a casual drinker... You know, maybe pushed it too long when I was with my buddies from college, like yeah. that kind of stuff. The problem is, eventually, the bucket's going to tip over. Yeah. And you got to get a lot of guts and a lot of strength to lift that bucket and tilt it back up and then let it slowly fill back up with that goodness. Jeez Louise. And it's so easy to say, screw it, man. This is just too hard. I'm drinking. Because yeah. it's an easy, it is an easy, easy fix. Drinking. For an alcoholic. Yes. But it's the only thing that's destroying your life. And I'm interested in this. I'm not going to push back too heavily because I candidly don't know. But how much of drinking and alcoholism and like other mental things, do you think that gives some alcoholics an out is kind of my way of thinking about it. Being like, yeah, it's hereditary. So it's just a part of me. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know if it's an out. I think there's some truth to it. Is there? Okay. I I I candidly don't know. Um, well, it's a trait. I mean, it's like a, it's like, um, the, you know, you, you well, see Some a, people have like addictive personalities and some people don't. I feel like it sometimes it manifests itself in different ways. Like I, I feel like 
for some people, like you see the people who play video games like twenty four seven, or okay. who smoke cigarettes, or who do anything from a, a unhealthy like to an unhealthy level. I mean, I'm that way with eating, candidly. You know, like I I have that addictive personality where it's like really hard for me to stop eating emotionally. You know, like that that follows the very same framework. I think. Yeah. Like an out, right? Yeah. I guess it's you could short term. Yeah, it is. Sure. I mean, yeah. It's very similar. But that was just something I was connecting to. I, hey, you know, it's a, it's a good question. The more I think about, it, I think there has to be pain involved. Yeah, you know, there's got to be something you're you're trying to hide from. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I agree. I, with you. There's, I, I, I don't think there has to be, but I think there, on on most cases of someone that becomes an alcoholic, it's because you're hiding from something. You know, I was hiding from a voice that was telling me I was going to amount to nothing. Okay. And what made you change? Because then I want to get into some of the things you, maybe your therapist and you guys discussed. I had two kids. Okay. I adopted my son okay. when he was nine. And I was, you know, kind of struggling along, you know, making ends meet, but nothing special, not doing anything. You know, I wasn't killing it. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't want to miss out on anything with my kids. Love it. So on September 14th, 2004, I got a phone call from a buddy of mine who was also a big, big drinker. Okay. And he uh, he called me up and he said, man, I got to quit drinking. Yeah. And I said, all right, let's, let's stop drinking. Let's just be non-drinking buddies for a year, see where it takes us. And that, that's what I committed to. I committed to quit drinking for a year. And it has lasted, right? Since 04, 16 years. Oh, my God. Now, it's funny because my buddy, we stood at the fork in the road yeah that day and um i went in one direction and he went in the other and his wasn't as righteous as mine his wasn't as good as mine his he he lost everything his, what do you mean his, everything his family his four kids uh, his wife a good job and he continued down that that path of of alcoholism Jeez. and just destroyed his life what and at mean? some point i felt guilty because I felt the more I felt like I was succeeding, mm. he was the the absolute polar opposite of what, what was happening to me was happening to him. And it was kind of eye-opening on my end because it made me realize I could still be there and I'm here. It's crazy to have that perspective. Yeah, what's it, what do you think was the difference there? Well, my dad quit drinking when he was 38. Woke up one day and just stopped. Really? Smoked three packs of cigarettes a day, and one day he woke up and quit. And as weird as this sounds, my father gave me the most valuable thing my father gave me was the ability to quit. Interesting. And as much as I think what you were saying about being hereditary, I think it was also the intestinal fortitude inside of me to say, you know what? It's a decision. That's what, you know what I mean? Yeah. Every day it's a decision. You yeah, wake yeah. up and it's not easy. No. You know what I mean? I'd love to get an eight ball and a and a bottle of uh, <laughs> <laughs> and a bottle of vodka yeah, and go say, nuts. Sounds like a good time. I know. You know, like like yeah. I was like we would go crazy. Yeah. You know, and I I would love love that, but I know it would destroy my life. I know my life would. Here's the craziest thing about being an alcoholic. So my life stopped. My my. Growing inside as a as an adult stopped when I was sixteen years old and had my first drink. Like I felt like a sixteen year old, and I was making sixteen. I was making decisions like a sixteen year old at the age of thirty Jeez. with two boys. 
Wow. And I look back at it and I'm like, that's why I was struggling so much because you stop growing emotionally when you start your addiction. Now, the addiction inside of me, I don't believe has stopped growing. I think if I started drinking, I'd be right back where I was. Right, yeah. Or it didn't continue to grow. Yeah. It didn't catch up to, it's still inside of me kind of suppressed in there. So that scares the hell out of me. And I'll never, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't eat a piece of, uh, like, a, um, we went to Italy and there was some the tiramisu with, yeah, that yeah. had real liquor in it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take a chance ever. Really? Ever to, I just, it, you know, I lived that life. I, you know, 20, in my twenties were great. Yeah. Now I don't remember some of them. <laughs> you know, I went to the Rolling Stones concert. I don't even remember it. Damn, that must have been yeah. a good one too. Back then, I went then. to see uh, Dice Clay. Okay, no clue. Drove home. Oh, two other people. Oh, I don't even remember the concert. Jesus. Like I was bad. Yeah. Like it wasn't anything to be proud of, but it makes me realize, and I wanted to burn inside of me of how much of a putz I was. Yeah. The problem why people don't quit, and why my buddy didn't. Because when you quit, you have to assume all the responsibility of all the stuff you've done for all those years Great and all point. the people you've hurt. And it is painful. Great yeah. point. Wow. And, and to your point, why he kept drinking it is probably because, I, again, I don't know this guy, but you're saying it's probably easier for him to continue to drink rather than accept responsibility for all those things. So think, yeah, think of it like this. And I, I think of this guy all the time. And so the, his biggest pain in his life is that he can't see his four kids and his wife who won't even talk to him right divorced his actually one son was killed in a a tragic accident so he couldn't even go to the funeral but the biggest pain in his life is the fact he can't see his kids and the only comfort he gets is getting drunk and the only reason why he can't pull it all together and see his kids is because he continues to get drunk but the only reason why he feels the pain is because he can't see his kids. Wow. But he only feels comfort in getting drunk. Yeah. But that's what stops him from seeing his kids. It's like a cycle. But that's the only thing that makes him feel good. Wow. So if he could just stop, get himself out of it, let himself get healed, he could maybe eventually patch up all that badness. I think he would have to do that without the... I, again, I don't know his family at all, but I think he would have to make that change for himself. Or, oh, yeah. You know what I'm be. saying? Because yeah. he can't go in with the expectation that his family's going to come back into his life now that he's this different person. It all, it all has to come within. If it's, yeah. if it's not you, it, like I said, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a decision. That's all it is. It's a, it's a decision. Am I going to do the right thing today or not? And it's, I remember when I quit drinking, I was, I was still going to the bars, but I was drinking water. And, you know... I was, I would date bartenders. It's all, my ex-wife was a bartender. I never dated anybody that wasn't a bartender. It was one other person I dated <laughs> besides, you know, my wife who was a bar. It was perfect because they love people to drink. Yeah. And the bartender I was dating when I quit drinking was so pissed off at me. It was unbelievable. And I quit drinking for a year and we, we didn't make it through that year. Um, but after that year, she, I saw her and she goes, it's been a year. Are you going to start drinking? She wanted me to drink so bad, it was unbelievable. And, oh, my gosh. And she's since left. I mean, I know she's since left your life, but, I mean, it's crazy that she did in a something. So she didn't support any of the things you wanted to oh, accomplish, gosh, no. you know? And you think that they're your best friends, and they were. 
but they were my bar buddies. Yeah. They were my bar flies. Yeah. You know, and a lot of them are probably either dead or sitting on the bar stool right now. Jeez Louise. You know? And it's not, there's, it's not a very rewarding life. The, the night before I quit drinking, I, was, I drank all weekend long, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I lived right across the street from a, a job I was working on. I walked across the street Monday morning, hung over beyond belief, worked there till about 1130, went to the bar to have lunch. Yeah. Wasn't going to drink. Waited for and one of the bar guys. And he came in. He's like, buy Dave a beer. I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm just eating. And he bought me a beer and I stayed there until eight o'clock that night. I drank 17 Miller Lights. I'll never forget it. And the next day is when my buddy called me and said, let's stop drinking. That was the last time I drank and will be forever. You don't think you'll ever drink again? Like if, a- if anything ever happened to my wife and I made it to 90, I'd like to get acid and trip on a beach somewhere. <laughs> you <laughs> surprise me every time we talk. That's what I would like to do. Yeah. But I don't think I would ever drink again because I, no. I don't think. It doesn't do anything for you. Right? It it doesn't. It wouldn't it would make me feel I wouldn't want to feel all that stuff inside again. Yeah. Well it's it's crazy that the people that were closest to you during that time when you decided to make that change weren't were still trying to claw back you back into that hole. I told you I was good. I yeah. was a good drinker. People loved me. Yeah. I was the stomper. <laughs> they would I had a nickname. That was your nickname, the stomper. We would go to bars oh, and when no. the music would be real loud, we would stomp our feet and dance and it was crazy tex-mex and and mckeevers and all that over in north wales we were like we would go nuts the stomper that was your move yeah i had big old big old simple simple but big old boots and just stomped around but they love i mean misery loves company you know if 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 people start to get better around you and you don't you got to look at yourself and an alcoholic never wants to look at themselves it's hard for me to even get on this level because I feel like I haven't experienced like even a tenth of a degree of the struggle you faced for those 20 years, was it, that you were an alcoholic? Yeah. But I feel like we have those micros – like we talk about like your friends that are closest to you when you're starting to try and achieve other things pulling you back. But it's not to the degree of the struggle that Dave might have felt. But it's very interesting to just like – kind of put myself in his shoes in different circumstances, you know, whether it's like us trying to advance ourselves in our career or like, I don't know. I just feel like it's very analogous on a smaller scale to some of the things we already talked about. Yeah. It might not be to that extreme. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, it's, you see the same things of like people who maybe can't like when you start to eat, like you make a healthy choice at a restaurant, right? People who can't make that healthy choice physically are going to make you feel bad about oh, it. You're getting the unbreaded chicken. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, agree. Well, like I, used to get I don't think anybody's trying to make anybody feel bad. I think no. what they're trying to do is mm. make themselves feel better. Right. Great point for what they're doing. You know what I mean? Because if you can point out everybody else's flaws, mm. what do you never have to do? You never point have to look own. at yourself. Great point. Wow. He's a man a mental, of wisdom. <laughs> of wisdom. So so I wanted to get back to your path from the day you decided to stop drinking. And I feel like along that path, you found faith along that. Or maybe I could be wrong about no, that. No, I did. Could you I talk did. a little bit about that journey and what that looks like? Because for me and Colton, I, I think we're both not as not the most religious people out there. 
Yes, I would agree. I'm, I'm not, speaking for you here, so don't speak for me, bro. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree with you, 100. percent And I would even go as far to say is I think our generation, I again, it's a big generalization, but one I'm comfortable making. I think we practice faith a little bit less than people Dave's age, our parents' age. I, I would say that's safe to say. Yeah. So what kind of opened you up to that path? Well, I grew up Catholic. Okay. okay. Yeah, you know, my parents weren't like, you know, giant Catholics. Yeah. It was Christmas and Easter every once You're, in a while. You know what they call that? Creasters. Creasters? Yeah. We were, we were Creasters. <laughs> I, did go to, I did go to Catholics, uh, like, CCD class. Okay. I remember that when I was little. Um, my uh, my grandmother lived with us. She was very Catholic. Um so I always believed in God. Mm-hmm. You know, I always had faith. Yeah. You know? I believe in Jesus. I believe all that stuff happened. Um, but I wasn't, a, I wasn't a practicing Catholic by no stretch of the imagination. Um, I got sober in 04. Um, I met my wife in like 08, 09. And we started going to a church in 2010, I think. And in 2012, I was born again. Okay. Okay. And that's a big step. And a lot of people get freaked out. Born again. Oh, my God. It's a cult. You know, it's just basically saying out loud that I believe Jesus Christ was sacrificed on the cross for my sins and died for for us. And I believe that. And he's my Lord and Savior. And I believe that whole cross being crucified, dying, all that stuff. Resurrection. I believe that happened. I believe Jesus. So I belong to a church that's a Bible-based church church they we, you know they a lot of singing a lot of great fun stuff in there uh it's not not guilt driven as much as what do you the, mean by that catholic church is more like if you don't do this you're going to hell. this yeah. church is like let's just you know bring a little bit of the bible into your life everyday life and use some of the good stuff yeah you know um and, and i think that i i was drawn to that because i just have a great faith and it's funny because my older son, he's 32. He's a filmmaker in Philadelphia. Oh, he, I didn't know this. He, he called me up and he's like, hey, dad, I heard you're reading the Bible and you're going to a Bible church. What's yeah. that all about? And I go, what do you mean? He goes, I don't know. He says, you always seemed like you were the guy that got it. Like you huh. didn't need to read the Bible. You knew the difference of. You just had that faith without being told what faith is. Yeah. And I kind of appreciated what he was saying. Okay. Um, because I, I think I gave that to my to him, and I know I gave it to my youngest son, the ability to just feel that that goodness. Look, there's a debate out there that there is no God and there is no heaven, and we're, we're you know, we're the Big Bang Theory or whatever happened, yeah. you know. But what if we're wrong? Like, what if there is? And what if there is a heaven? Like, wouldn't you want a path away to get there? I'm on Just that to page, make sure, too. You know, all you got to do is believe in a few things and live a good life. And, you know, look, we all sin. I'm not saying you can't sin. Right. But, um, so I found my faith and, and, you know, I've grown into... Um, just, I mean, it, I pray every day. I read the Bible almost every day. I listen to a Bible app almost every day. It doesn't make me a freak or a weird guy. Um, the funny thing is, though, in a lot of people's eyes, it does. And when I was drinking, yeah, and I was Uncle Dave the drunk, my nieces and nephews thought I was the coolest guy in the world. Interesting. Sober guy, Uncle Dave that 
goes to church every Sunday and helps out people. Oh, he's kind of weird now. Uh, you lost your appeal. I, I did. I lost my I lost my buzz there. Can I uh, so help me understand the born again part though? Like, what is that? What does that mean? Like, I understand Jesus on the cross, right, dying for everything. But like, what is the born again aspect? That means that was the moment that I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. That day. That moment I prayed that prayer. Okay. I was in a, I was in a friend's kitchen going through a really difficult time. And uh, we were, you know, they were like my spiritual family. And they said, let's pray. Let's pray for you. And we prayed. And they said, are you ready to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And I said, I was. Do you think that was a new chapter for you? Like, Absolutely. Did, okay. Yes. Very significant in my life. Okay. I think it's interesting how often you mention the Bible. I I. I mean, I would say a lot of the stuff you and I listen to in the personal development space, like a lot of those really impactful teachings are just somewhat derived from the Bible. Like a lot of those teachings and like those success stories and helping people to help yourself, like a lot of that is driven from the Bible. You yeah, know? I was just going to say, what do you think the comp- – like you alluded to people who view certain things that you do on a daily basis maybe as like – weird or something along those lines what do you think the biggest misconception about that stuff is Good that question. you do on a daily basis i don't know i don't know why uh why people it's like swim against the current some people i don't know they just feel as though um they don't need it yeah i feel like the for me personally is like i was raised catholic so i and we were catholic like not whatever uh, the word you used yeah, um, it's it's fear. like it's celebrate fear. Christian uh, uh, Christmas and Easter only. Yeah. No, like we would go to church every Sunday, and it was it was like one of those traditional Catholic churches. So like growing up, ever since I was little, we would be forced to go to church. We would sit there, hear some old guy talk about you know God knows what, and then we would leave and we'd be stuck in these pews the whole time. So for me, it was like another form of torture. And, like, ever since, like, that whole period of, like, that experience, like, I feel like it was sho- it was also shoved down my throat by my parents. So it kind of just left a sour taste in my mouth uh, for – and I think those experiences left a sour taste in my mouth for, like, that kind of, like, religion and faith and things along those lines. But I don't necessarily – like, I just feel like that's maybe why – for me personally, I think I that goes with a lot of our generation, though, bro. I think there's more come. I think there's more of a progressive view to what you said. I forget how you worded it, Dave, but you were saying like, it's not like aspirational. It's almost like thin. more fear. fear. Yeah, like sorry, they, that, they're, they're based fear. on fear. That's like, what if I was. You don't on. do the right thing, you're going to hell. That's what I'm saying, and um, I think it's becoming more progressive to the good. I mean, there's a lot of things out there that I personally, I don't know how religious I am, but I would say I'm spiritual in the sense that I think there's something for the greater good that is pushing me in all the life circumstances I have that I go through, you know, they're for a greater reason. So I don't know how religious that makes me, but I do feel spiritual in that sense. And cause I wanted to get back to one thing that really stuck with me. You were like, people don't believe in heaven or whatever the afterlife. And my question to them is like, what is the benefit in what you think? Like, does that make, like, how does that help you? You know, like how does that help you thinking that there isn't something greater than you that's pushing you to do better things, pushing you to become a better oh, you're, person? You're saying like that's what you asked a, a non-believer. That's what I would say. I would say yeah. what what good does that do you? You know, like 
to me, the only alternative is to hope and have faith and belief in something greater than yourself to push you to the next level, to push you to be the best version of yourself, right? I don't, I don't know what good comes out of the other thinking. I mean, do we really think that we're, we're when we die, we're, we're done? I think our, our soul and our spirit goes somewhere. I, I, I believe that. I got, I got to believe that. Okay. You know, I think that when, when I die, I'll, I'll be reunited with my, my father who just passed away. Yeah. And here's the funny thing about my dad, real quick. In life, I, I resented my father. Yep. Many years, I hated my father. I, I wasn't allowed to play sports. I had to come home and work around the house every single day. Every weekend, we like when I'm talking about working around the house, we tore our house down, like every room down to the studs, oh, boy, yeah. rebuilt the entire building. Like when we would fix the truck, we would take the entire engine apart and rebuild <laughs> oh, it. Like, and I was like a young kid and yeah, my friends yeah. would be riding their bicycles by me and I couldn't even go and play. Yeah. One time he sent me out for a tool and he was like, where the hell's Dave? And they look out the window, and I'm hauling ass down the street on my, <laughs> on my bicycle. I was like 12. He's running. When I came back at the end of the day, I got my ass beat, and oh my God. that was it. I was never allowed to leave his side. Like every day, every we had to work. We were like an, a little army. Yeah. I had three older sisters and an older brother, and we all worked around the house. Now, I hated my dad growing up. And, 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 and you know, through my adult, you know, I, I blamed him for a lot of things. My, my drinking, it was either him giving me the gene or him being mean or him giving me the reason. And in death, I admire my father. What do you admire about him? I admire that he was a, a man that was born in the 30s and grew up in the Depression and then went to war and saw death and destruction yeah. and had the balls and the, and the, and the strength to come home. And raise five kids in Germantown on one salary and yeah. move us to Bluebell in 1973 and have us one for nothing and teach me everything I know. Like, I know how to do a lot of things because my father. That's a great perspective, but it seems like you've done a lot of work on that. To, to say that? Yeah, to change. It was, it was, the, it was the gift of... Of therapy. When I went to my therapist, we unpacked all that. And once I could say it outright, it made me forgive my father for whatever. And I don't really forgive him. Because, I mean, I don't need to say I forgive him because I never walked in his shoes. Like, yeah. you know, my dad might have killed somebody in Korea. I don't know. Right. I'm sure he bombed cities. He was in a tank. Yeah. The worst thing I did was got in a fight in the in the cafeteria by a girl. Yeah. And I think I got my ass kicked. By a girl. <laughs> you know I mean? By a girl. Like I wasn't a fighter. We didn't fight. We didn't you know there was yeah. I didn't see death. Yeah. I didn't see war. Thank so you God. came to like more of an understanding through this than a forgiveness, if I'm hearing you correctly. Yeah, exactly. More of an understanding of of what he was and what he wasn't. What, what pushed you to go to therapy? A good friend of mine out in Lancaster, his son went through struggles with addiction. And I, I would talk to him and he's like, the reason why, and I, all right. So you get sober and you think, all right, I'm going to get through the first couple of years. And I'm going to be sober and everything's going to be great. Yeah, well, you still yeah. have all your baggage. Right. And if you don't unpack all that, it's just going to come into you in a different form. Okay. Or it's, you're going to be a, a sober drunk and never experience. Look, I want to be happy in life. Right. So, you know, the first year I quit drinking, I remember six months into it, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I'm still struggling. Yeah. And then I realized that's the, that's the, that's how powerful the disease is. 
the disease wants me to feel like I'm still struggling. Oh. I got to make sure I get out of my own way right. and make myself successful. Yeah. And then my, when I made that turn, things started to change for me. You know, let me make sure I follow that. You're saying, hey, since I stopped drinking, good things should just come into my life. But your perspective shift was, well, now that I stopped drinking, I actually have to go work for that good exactly. feeling. It just okay. doesn't happen. Right. That's like somebody praying on the, you know, sitting on their couch praying for wealth. Agreed. Well, you got to get out there and do something. hundred Like I'm all, I'm a big believer in, in um, the power of attraction. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? You're and you, and you want to, you want to like gear yourself up. And if you want something, say it outright and, you know, believe it inside and it'll yeah. happen on the outside, but it ain't going to just fall out of the sky. Yeah. You got to take action steps towards that thing. You do. A hundred percent. And are you still going to therapy today? No. 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 You... So I, my buddy's uh, son said to my buddy and said, you know, Dave's struggling still because he never unpacked all his baggage. Okay. So I went and met this guy and we, we, we met for about a year. Um, and he was so cool. He said, I said, so how's this work? Like, you know, it, what's the magic word? When do we, exp- you know, when do we get to the, <laughs> when do we, word? <laughs> when do we get to the magic phrase that yeah. just clears everything yeah. up? And he goes, well, that's not really how therapy works. He goes, therapy is like a, a, a wound. Mm. He said, it's, he, he gave me an example. He said his dad was a famous surgeon and his, somebody said he was a miracle worker. And he goes, no, I just take the two pieces of skin and I get them as close as I can get them and I stitch them together and then God makes them heal together. Like God makes that connection. Yeah. He doesn't. A surgeon doesn't doesn't make the 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 atoms or whatever's in your the tissue you know, grow together. That's that's the the beauty of of a miracle. Right. You know and and therapy is just getting everything as close as you possibly can and understanding it and talking about it and then letting letting it heal okay and that's what that's why i went and that's why how I, long did you go about a year once a week wow why do you think there's i mean this you might not have an answer to this either but i'm interested because on rick's podcast one of our buddies is is going to therapy still yeah, yeah. and we feel as though Maybe that's more of a negative stigma in our generation to go seek help for those. It's always th- been negative. But why? Why do you think? I think because people don't understand stuff that might get right back to the, the whole religion thing. If yeah. you don't understand it, it's easier to... Just not believe. Yeah, not believe in it or or not not believe in it because it's funny. I heard something on, on, a, on a Christian radio station, which I thought was fascinating. They talked about... Um, um, someone that uh, what do they call a person that doesn't believe in faith at all or atheist an atheist yeah and they were talking about atheists and they go it's such a you can't be an atheist it's impossible because mm. to not believe in something you must first believe in it so they have more faith than they really think they have oh that's a good point that's and interesting. I've, I've, I'll never forget like thinking about that and I think that people that people that turn the corner and say they have faith now has now have to believe in all the stuff that comes with it and i think if people especially your generation everybody yeah. wants to see it on a on a podcast or yeah. you know on a, on a youtube channel and and watch it well you can't watch faith yeah faith is the belief that something you cannot see or touch is there and that's hard for people to 
to kind of grasp. Yeah, I also feel like when you go to a therapist, you're acknowledging that there is something out there that's wrong. Great point, right? And so, so then you have to tell people like, then people are always like, oh, okay, well, like there's something wrong with, you know, Dave. Why such a like, bad stigma though? Yeah. You know? If you cut your arm and you were bleeding every single day to death. Wouldn't you go to a doctor and yeah, get exactly. stitched up? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But everyone through? has problems, bro. Yeah, that's you know so what true. I'm saying? Like, but everyone so, has problems. But to admit those problems is so much harder than acting like you don't have any problems. But imagine if you were just real with yourself and real with other people, how much easier your life would be. But yeah, you're right. It would be a lot easier. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So you would just live so much more comfortably in your own skin if you weren't hiding your own problems from not only yourself, but from everyone else around you. So my question now is... With some of maybe those doubts or negative conversations that you might have had with your father previously that maybe you talked through with your therapist, do you find other people in your life are willing to have those conversations with you now to help you at all? Like whether it's your wife or friends that you're close with, like are you able to have those conversations with them? About what? Any of your past experiences that are maybe hard for you on some days? Uh, There was a thing at – my CrossFit gym called Faith RX. Okay. Cool. And they came in and they wanted to listen to somebody's testimony. Interesting. And I, I put it all together and I spoke in front of a class and I invited my pastor to come and he did a workout. And oh, wow. He was, uh, I, I had a chance to tell my story to a group of people. How did that Which feel? was amazing okay. because I'm terrified of speaking in front of people. You're doing a great job. Yeah. Uh, well, there's not many people here. <laughs> there <laughs> yes, is I can do. <laughs> but um, I, I did it and it, it cleansed me. It, really? It made me feel like everything was okay. Yeah. But it's the journey. It's my journey. It's it, it didn't come like... So I look at stuff and people say to me, well, do you wish you got sober 20 years earlier or 10 years earlier? And I said, no, because I might have been on a plane in 2000. You know, nine eleven. Yeah, or you know, I might have you know something might have bad happened, or I wouldn't have experienced. I think I was done cooking in two thousand four. I think I was ready to be taken out and um, go on to the next journey of my life, which was, you know, maybe I think the worst part about life, and maybe it's not the worst thing that could happen, but I think what I wouldn't want to happen to me would be mediocrity. Okay. I think yeah. living, you know, nine to five. In a factory, and this is nothing bad about factory workers or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, some people love that work. You know, some people love, you know, my dad was a union guy. He would get up at 5.30, drive to the city, work all day, be home by 5 o'clock. There'd be dinner on the table at 5. He'd lay on the couch by 5.45. He would fall asleep at 9. He would go upstairs, go to work, made a pension, you know, retired, retired for 25 years, lived down at Cape May for a while, fished for a little bit. Yeah. Like, he had a great little life. Yeah. But it was like... You know, maybe not him, but you know, a lot of people live that life of of just kind of getting on by, that right down the you know the the flattening in the curve. Yeah. Um, as much as the lows that I've had, which yeah. were really low, um, I'm I'm experiencing some super big highs right now in my life. You are. And like, without my lows, I wouldn't have had my highs. Powerful perspective. Um, and I've helped a lot of people. I think get sober really and I didn't know that. get into programs and save their lives and 
Um, I think I have wisdom where I can sh share it with my, my siblings and my family members and my, my nieces and my nephews. And if all that, if one person feels something, then it was all worth it wow. in my journey. But I might not have found my faith if I wasn't looking for it. I might not have been looking for it if I didn't go through what I went through. Right. I mean, that's just powerful. I don't. Yeah, I mean, you might not have gotten to be on the nine to five podcast. It's you know? a perfect exactly. example. Exactly. You know? I wouldn't have met my 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 beautiful wife who I'm yeah. married to now. Like, you know, all stuff happens, man. It all happens for a reason in your life. And when you're going through it and it sucks and it's painful, you, you don't really see it. But the only way to get through hell is to keep going. And I don't know. It's it's worth it. It's where I'm supposed to be in my journey through life. What's that quote you have? It's two shall pass. You my know? favorite. Yeah. Quote. If anyone listened to that previous episode where I butchered Dave's story, <laughs> he, did, did you hear about this? I he, did. He, oh my oh, god! Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure people figured it out. Yeah. No, I actually don't know. We got some questions. Well, you you got it. You got the real story from Dave, but. I what did this too? Yeah, maybe pass. we maybe we should let Dave rip the story because I feel like that. it's valuable, even though we've heard it. So, so yeah. it's the story of King Solomon, and he suffered from bipolar. Right. I mean, nobody diagnosed him back then, but when you think about it, he was basically bipolar. Right, and he had his ups and downs, and his lows, just like we were talking about, were super low, and his highs were super high, and he couldn't stand the fluctuation in between. Right. So he sent out all of his his most wisest people yep. in his in his kingdom and one guy came back a year later and he had a ring and he said wear this ring and inside the ring it said this too shall pass and he said whenever you're experiencing the lows yeah remember this too shall pass yeah and he goes oh that makes sense and then he said well what about the highs and the wise man said this too shall pass interesting so as bad as things get in life things are going to get great but as great as things get in life, things are going to get bad. So how do you deal with the good times you're feeling now then? Are you feeling that? Like That's a good question. Like a great question. With that quote, because this is something maybe I think about a little bit. And I actually just recently had a conversation with my mom about it just for your knowledge. She is pretty much a PhD psychologist as a mother. So it's like – and all that horrible shit I get to talk to with – basically a psychologist amazing <laughs> yeah. amazing In combination house. of person family discount yeah, yeah exactly but i was asking her, i was like mom i really went through a dark time in my life six months ago and i feel like i'm literally the happiest now like i've ever been like how do i continue to stay at this peak like how do you think about that if you're an amazing time in your life are you telling yourself okay the bad times are going to come or like well what i'm are you telling myself about? that this you know i'm not I'm not sugar. I'm not not sugarcoating it. I'm not. I'm not living in a fantasy land where I think that this high is going to last forever. Okay. You know this, and maybe you know maybe the drinking had a lot to do with it because my my life consisted of you know getting high yeah on substance and something yeah. and getting sober and being sober and yeah. being hungover and getting high and getting sober and yeah. getting high and getting sober and I think that. You, know, you you can't be, you just said yourself, you're at the greatest, you know, you're feeling like you're at the, at the best place in your life right now. Well, that's great, man. Absorb that and and, and feel it and, and live it, yeah. you know, but just know that, you know, nothing lasts forever. Right. And that's the good, good doesn't last. Now, it doesn't have to always be the lowest of lows right around the corner. Right. You know, it might just level off a little bit or yeah. it might just, you know, come down a little bit or it might even go even a little bit higher. Yeah. You know, um, I, I always try to tell everybody, like my son and my company, that 
you got to live life with enthusiasm. What do you mean by that? Enthusiasm is two Greek words, entheos, which means in God. Okay. And it means that you live life where you believe anything can happen. Damn. And living with enthusiasm is just being excited about life and living excited about, you know, I'm not Bible thumping. I'm not trying to get everybody to go to, you know, my church or any church. But if you believe in something that pure and that good, only good things can come out of that thought. That's a great point. I'm all behind that. That's a great phrase. I had no idea that that's what that meant. Neither did I. Breaking it down. Well, I'm always of the fact, I think I've probably unpacked this a lot, Dave, on our podcast, but I just don't know what the negative thought process brings people from like an outcome standpoint. That's where I like when people say, you've told me on the podcast, I'm positive, but like, I just don't know what thinking negatively has ever brought me like in my life. What? Because you believe in law of attraction, right? I have no idea what thinking negative about circumstances that are happening to me will ever bring me from like a law of attraction standpoint or like an outcome standpoint. I just have no idea. Like logically, I'm a very logical thinker, I believe. So logically, I don't understand thinking negative ever. Like it really doesn't make sense to me. So my buddy uh, from high school, he's super, super smart, man. He's like the vice president of a bank. He's just always, I've always admired him. He's he's always had his shit together. He's like just, just that guy. Back to the drinking, you know, when we, when we drank, you know, you were asking about being hereditary. You know, yeah. is it hereditary? He he was right next to me, man. He was right next to me and, and drinking like fish and partying and doing yeah. you know, what we shouldn't have been doing. And he he never never stumbled. He never really? he had the ability to to turn it off. Like he could fill his bucket up with his own goodness. Really? He didn't have to do it with with you know something false. Uh huh. Um. He um. What was I going to say about him? He, what were we talking about before that? Well, I was just saying thinking, negative thinking. Oh, yeah, oh so I read lines. The Secret, the book The Secret. I got Somebody gave it to me. Interesting. It's a great, it's a great read. Do you know who wrote it? I don't it? know who wrote it. Okay. Um, it's, but a pretty, it ta- it's a very popular book. It, it yeah, talks about huge. the law of attraction. It yeah. really is, is super cool. And uh, I remember reading it and being so into it. Yeah. I called up my buddy and I'm like, because it talks about the law of negative attraction. Mm. Your 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 alarm goes off late. Yeah. And you're rushing around the house and you hit every red light. Yeah. I'm gonna hit every red light. Um this is my favorite shirt I'm gonna spill coffee on. You spill coffee on yeah. it. You know, you everything you're projecting is happening. Yeah. You know? So you you say to yourself, Man, I should have never got out of bed. Right. You know? So I called up and I go, I just read this cool book, man. And I was like, you ever do this? You ever like get out of bed late and hit every red light and do all this and do all that? And his answer was so profound. He just said, no, I don't think like that. And he does it. He doesn't allow himself to get caught up in that negative world. Of, yeah. You know, so he gets up a little late. He makes it up uh, on, you know, hitting every red, every green light or, you know, if the shirt, if he spills something on his shirt, well, he's got an extra one in his in yeah. his office. Or I love like that. he 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 opened my eyes up to. No, I don't. I don't allow yourself to think that. Like, here's how crazy the power of attraction is. Shoot. You say to yourself, "I want to lose weight." Right. All I keep doing is gaining weight. Right. But you're doing what you're asking the universe to do for you. You're gaining weight to lose. If you want to be a certain weight, you should say, I want to be 195. Right. Yeah. 
I want to be a certain weight because you say to yourself, I want to get out of debt. I want to get out of debt. I want to get out, I want to get out of debt. But you never seem to be getting out of debt. Well, you're doing exactly what you're asking the universe to give you. Debt to get out of. Right. So oh, I want to be financially free. I want to be, you know, okay. I want to, you know, have no credit card debt whatsoever. Right. So it's it's how you you have to be careful how you ask what you want. Interesting. But I believe that. I believe if you ask for it, it'll happen. I do believe you that. Know, if you could, if you could conceive it, it'll birth. What was that story you told me at dinner the other night? Like you guys were talking about like happiness and how you guys feel in your life today. Do you remember, was he the guy with like the tons of beach houses and like you guys were talking about how genuinely happy you feel and he's like the super successful like VP of a bank, right? And yeah. all the money. Can we talk about that? Because I think that's an interesting perspective that I don't think a lot of us younger kids really have in our life yet. Like knowing that they're close to us, quote unquote, made it with a family or made it financially. And I think... The conversation you guys had was a little interesting to me, right? Because he's very successfully financially, but it's like you guys were talking about how happy he really does feel with what he's doing. Do you remember that at all? I always wanted to be him. Yes, this is what we talked about. Um, I wanted what he had because I thought the success that he had was in things Yep. Mm-hmm. and more stuff. Um, and the tragedy that he experienced is unbelievable. Okay. Uh, and you know, he lost, um, his two sons to tragic accidents and, uh, it's just, it's, it's, I, I don't know. I, that's my entire adult life. I wanted to be him right and now. I would, I wouldn't trade places with him, but I wish he was me. And I guess maybe I was going for the question that like now that you I, I mean obviously like it seems like you've had some financial success I guess it's really hard for me tangibly to be like wow I don't want financial success at this age you know like I feel like that's a perspective maybe you could give Kevin and I where it's like you've had financial success but like is it really not all it's cracked up to be like yeah, you seem well to add on to that it seems like you've found success in both your professional life whether you're you know you're happy with where you're at or not you seem like you have a lot of good things on the horizon but you've also found personal success and i feel like the combination of the two business and personal success doesn't come easily usually one person they have one or the other right yeah it's a tough balancing act uh when i was um younger and single I didn't push myself to be super successful because I want, and, and it does, it's not like I had these great opportunities to be like this world-class contractor that was traveling all over the country. But I, I kept it, I kept it um, to a, uh, an awareness where I could always be available because I wanted kids? to be in my son's lives. Okay. It was real important to me. Um, my father, not beating, you know, beating him up or anything, but never went to a school function, never did anything like that. I wanted to make sure I was there as they, um, as they went through high school and through, you know, the, the sports and stuff that they did. Um, so I, I kind of held back a little bit on, on the success of my business only because, you know, I did not that, not that it was, it was bursting at the seams to be successful, but I didn't. 
I didn't certainly challenge myself to make myself less available, if that makes any sense. I, I, I follow uh, But you. now, I, I mean, you know, I have been blessed with uh, an incredible support group with my wife or support person. I mean, yeah. she's my, my rock, to say the least. Um, my faith, yeah. my church, my, the people around me, um, my good friends now. That I that I consider friends, which are uh, less transparent than the bar flies that yeah. I used to think were my friends. Um, my knowledge, my experience, the 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 grit of being sober, which is takes you know, I think tenacity. Yeah. If that's the right way of using that. Yeah. Um, success is is you know, am I successful? You know. Um, what is success? I mean, is it is it your bank account? Is it the the amount of houses you have, or is it the the feeling of of being loved and appreciated by your family? So having a love. family? Yeah, I don't know. I've always seen it as like uh, first. I thought success was like having a lot of money and like owning a bunch of different shit. Right. That's typically, I feel like, how people start off with, like, wanting to look like... That's the easy one, sure. Yeah, it's it's hard. And then, like, I feel like the personal success is something that you start to find out as you get a little bit older. But something I think that I found, like, success... I feel like like happiness is, like, what true success is. Like, happiness in life. And I feel like you exude that. I think it's balance. Great point. Yeah. I think you got to find balance. Right. I think balance is important. And I think I did a job for a, a, a guy. He was a psychologist years ago. I built an edition for him. And he was a cool old guy. And he said, Dave, I'm going to tell you the secret to life. Ooh, I want to hear it's this. It's a three-legged table. And each leg is consists of this. The first leg is love. Okay. you got to have love in your life. you got to love something or somebody or be loved. Okay. doesn't have to be, you know, you have to be in love with somebody, but yeah. you have to feel the experience of love every day. Okay. You have to feel it. Um, you need to have a purpose. You need to have a reason to get up every day. Even when you retire, you got to find something to do. Yep. Walk a dog, help a soup kitchen, do something. You have to have purpose and you have to educate yourself. You have to think. You have to continue to think. You have to read something. You have to put your mind to work every day. Because if one leg gets shorter than the other, your table is going to be wobbly. If one leg's eliminated, you're going to fall over. And I think about that, and you could put each leg a little bit different, but for me, it works. Yeah. Love is my family and my, my love for me. Yeah. Which I love me because when I was an alcoholic, I hated me. It's a great perspective. Um. You know, I have a purpose every day. I wake up with a purpose. Um, it doesn't mean I have to go to one of my companies and and be that purpose. It's just I feel like there's a purpose in life, you know, um, just to be me. Yeah. Um, and I read. I read the Bible. I read things. I you know, I'm not a huge reader. Reader. I wish I I wish I read more, um, but. I, I know that that experience of, of nourishing your brain is important, um, and it works for me. I got to ask you, do you feel successful? Because you kind of mentioned that. Like, do you feel successful in whatever your version of success is today? I do. You do? I do. I think it's very hard to keep a company rolling for 20, 24 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying some new ventures, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I've made it 
through some hard times. Yeah. 2020 being one of the hardest. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel successful. I feel more successful in my personal life, which you guys just opened my eyes up to. Because when I think about success, I only thought about it until right now as my business really? life. I'm feel that's su- so funny because I've every time I've talked about like we've talked about having you on the podcast for a while. Yeah. Every time I've talked Couple about months. you, I'm like, I feel like Dave's just got it figured out. Like on both sides of the coin. Honestly, like, we talk more about family than we even do the business aspect. Yeah, typically. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Like we talk about you, and we're like, "Wow, it seems like he's got the personal side like really figured out." I mean, I know you're successful, but from a business standpoint, but it's just interesting the different perspective. We That's have. awesome to hear. I appreciate that yeah. because you know why that makes me feel good because my father, his entire life to the day he died, never told me that he loved me. I don't think he had it in him. Don't blame him. You know, it's okay. I know he loved me. However, he experienced love. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, I tell my sons every single time I talk to them, I love them. And the most, the proudest moment for me in my life was when Remy was walking off the field at, at his high school lacrosse game. And he looked over at me and he loud enough for his teammates to hear him. Said, I love you, dad. Damn. And it made me feel like I did it. Damn. Like, I gave something, and a lot of people say the bullshit line where, and I even said it earlier, you know, he didn't have it in, in you can't give what you don't have. Right. But you can, you can, you know what's, what makes you feel good and what's good and right. You know, and I wanted to tell my sons I loved them every single day, the day they were, from the day I met Nick and the day Remy was born, it's because I did. Not because I thought I was missing out, because my dad never did. Um, so I think it's important to know that even though you don't, that's not your, that's not what you've learned growing up. You could still be something that you weren't taught. If that makes any sense. Use it as a positive motivator. Yeah. I mean, I was just going to say one, I feel like some of the worst, not the worst things, but the things that you saw as a negative in your earlier life usually become the, like the positives for yourself. Yeah. Like. For example, like my my father always was super like emotionally and somewhat physically abusive to my mom, and like that's something like all I never raise my voice or any do anything like along those lines yeah. with like, yeah, you break relationships the chain. or it's anything up to you. along those lines. Yeah, it's yeah, a decision. Yeah. You know, it's like what we talk. Life's decisions. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're gonna decide to make the right decision every day, or you're gonna you're gonna need to make a decision every day, and you know. Someday it might be, you know, the most important decision of your life. That's a great point. You know? I remember, I, like I was saying earlier, I was going to, when I quit drinking, I used to keep going to the bars. And somebody said, Isn't that, don't you think that's a bad idea? I'm like, nah, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm in control of this. Yeah. You, first of all, I'm never in control of the disease. It's way bigger and stronger than me, even still. Um, but I talked, to, I, I was talking to, a, not really a therapist, but a, a buddy of mine that was kind of, working me through the first year or two of sobriety and he said dave you got to make sure you're walking away from a drink not towards a drink in a bar you're waiting for you're just waiting for something to happen yeah and i was i was like that was going to be bad for me so i made the decision i'm not going to bars and i think that's important for people to realize i mean that's something i consciously think about every day is like life is in my control like i'm not trying to be this like 
profound person, but like when people look at all these external circumstances going on, it's like hard for me to empathize with a lot of that because I'm just like, dude, my life are, uh, is the sum of the decisions I make every day. Like, that's just how I think, you know, like I don't let external things dictate the decisions I'm typically going to make. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. That makes a, yeah, that makes a hundred percent sense. And that, I think that's great advice. You know, like if you're trying not to eat cookies, like don't put a cookie jar on yeah. your counter. It sounds very so, simple. Yeah, it just yeah, it is simple. You. It is yeah. that simple. Yeah, simple, but not easy. But not easy. We say that all the time. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say one other thing, but I forgot. Oh, you mentioned your buddy that was walking you through sobriety, and I think that's something interesting. That I mean, we talked about on the podcast with Rick, Dave, but we were just saying like with all these negative negative stigmas about like some of the things that are hardest to talk about, like with your psychologist or whoever it's like so important to find people in your life you can be a real dude with like i don't know like how did you find that person or what made you comfortable enough to talk to him about going sober like i feel like that's so hard for people our age to just he was in my generation we we there's a lot of a lot of a lot of um maybe not in every gen it might be maybe not just my generation but seemed like my group of friends we were all alcoholics and yeah he was one guy that got himself sobered up uh, uh 10 years before i did and um we just kind of i leaned on him a little bit and he gave me some good advice and you know he's his best advice to me was stop driving let somebody else drive what, what do you um mean? get some help you know? oh. and i got when i got sober i i went to a, a clinic oh I didn't once a week i was gonna ask that yeah we went i went and 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 spoke to a, a counselor there yeah uh we didn't unpack anything like i did with therapy uh, you know a therapist but um, he guided me a little bit through some good stuff. I think that's important. Um, and, uh, but that's what my buddy said. He said, you know, let somebody else drive. Cause that's I was driving huge. myself into, you know, losing my kids, getting locked up, killing somebody, killing myself. Like I wasn't going down the right path. That's cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's great advice. I mean, you don't have to go at it alone, right? No, dude, never. No, if you're digging a hole, stop. Put yeah. the you know, shovel down. Like, Stop digging. You know, it doesn't have to be that, that hard to figure it out. For for people our age, like in their 20s or 30s, coming from somebody who seems to have found like like areas of success in business and personal, what advice would you give to you know, somebody like in their 20s or 30s? Or Colton and Kevin. Or just Colton and Kevin. Well, because this advice, I'm going to rip it off. Obviously, yeah. I mean, do what you do. What makes you happy? You know what I mean. But realize that you know, not everybody can be a baseball player, huh? You know, point. like, I mean, work's work. It's hard. It's grueling. It's you got to put your nose to the grindstone, and you know, the harder you work, the the more successful you'll be, or you know, whatever. It's, it's just if you put your mind to it, you can do it, type of thing. But you got to balance out your your relationships, uh. you know, your, your girlfriend, your wives, your children, your, wherever you are in your relationship life. Um, and I think it's important. And I think, you know, we, we keyed on a couple things that I'm going to go back to that, that make, make me wish you guys would, would enter LCBC, my church once or twice. Um, in in that church, you, you gotta you gotta realize that you're not alone mm. in this. In, and you guys are, are good buds, and yeah. I, I see you leaning on each other, which is awesome. A lot. Yeah. Um, but like in my church, one of the things they they preach are 
we're all sinners and we're all in here and we all have problems. Yeah. And every person in here has probably got financial problems and every person in here has probably got, you know, relationship problems. And, you know, it's nice to be in a group of people that you know are, are all in the same boat. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and to, to think that there's somebody out in the world that doesn't experience those things, I don't care who they are, uh, famous, rich, successful, everybody has the the same problems. Yeah. Everybody has the the same anxiety when they're laying in bed or the, the you know, it, it might not be the exact same thing, but I think everybody experiences that through life. Um, it's, it's nice to be in church to know that you're around people that experience the same thing. I and I get a lot of strength from that. Mm. Um, my advice to your generation would be work hard. Mm-hmm. Um, play hard I like that be, be, you know make sure that you, you you go out and have fun man because today could be the absolute last day of my life last Wednesday was my anniversary which I forgot every year I forget <laughs> and she, she knows we, it's, it's okay Alex right? she's got does. she's got it figured out oh, we're really Alex didn't have that one figured out last but I year always I forgot ours <laughs> I always I always used to tell her that I like to celebrate at night so it doesn't matter if you give me the card in the morning yeah. because I'm celebrating at night. And it always gave me that loophole where I could go out <laughs> that day. And I'm not giving you the card today because I'm giving you to you at night. I like yeah. celebrating at night. Well, from the course of Wednesday morning to Wednesday evening, yeah. I got a, a stomach bug mm. and was deathly ill on the couch yeah. come Wednesday night by the time she got back from, from work. So I didn't have a chance to celebrate my anniversary with her she celebrated it hers with me in the morning so i think the point of that whole story is even from day from morning to night we don't know how how fragile life is it's great so live every not every day live every morning like there might not be a night Mm. powerful you know breathe in that life man breathe in the, the fact that you're alive and breathe in that excitement that you're who you are, you're where you are, and you should you're you should be happy that you're exactly where you are in your journey through life. Yeah. You know? So work hard, play hard and, and just appreciate it and live life like there's no tomorrow. I love that. I think that's a great place to end it. Yeah, it's a great place to end it. We appreciate y'all listening to Outside the Nine to Five. Maybe like subscribe for Dave <laughs> opening it up. Dave, we appreciate you coming on. Loved it guys. Thank you.